Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Modern Nation, I'm Anthony Salome, and this is uh, the one and only Alex Nichols. One of these days, I'm just going to come in behind it like, yo, you tip, what it do? Fuck enemies, you and all of you. I'm going to come in with like a flow behind that one of these days, but what's just up? I got to kind of have some substances, though, a couple of drinks in me to make it sound good, but anyways. We'll cross that bridge when we get there, all right? <laughs> Lots to talk about this week. Um, as you all know, big coaching news. Uh, basketball news, football news. Uh, got a lot of questions to get to. Y'all have been real active on Twitter and on the Minor Rush Open Comment thread. Hit us up if y'all want on the Open Comment thread there at MinorRush.com. We're on Twitter at SBN Minor Rush. And of course, you guys can always call in 347-934-0951. Let us know what you want to talk I about. I encourage you to call in. Yeah, definitely call in. Let's get this conversation going. But let's get it started with the uh, biggest news of the week. I think what the biggest news of the week is. Big, big news. A um, couple of coaches apparently going to be out um, – as far as we know, that's, that's everything that it's looking like. I mean, we were able to confirm it with a few sources out there at UTEP, and basically their offices have been cleaned out, even though UTEP has not confirmed it. And, and uh, Coach Sean Kruger released a statement basically saying that he was just going to uh, be kind of looking at everything and, 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 and making any decisions and, and any judgments and, and kind of coming to conclusions in January. He didn't really deny it either. And you would think if that if, if this wasn't the case, if, if what we're hearing is not the case, I mean, wouldn't you at least come out and be like, hey, these guys still have their jobs? Especially especially how loyal Sean Cougar has been with the staff. As we all know, a lot of his – and we've touched on it here plenty of times, but to, to sound like a broken record, these all these are all guys that are familiar with and that were easy hires for him. So you know that, you know, for one, you know, he's, he's either giving these guys time, you know, to, to find other jobs, and number two, you know, he would definitely back his guys up for sure. I mean, there's no doubt about it that he would come out flat out saying, I mean, Cougar's a, a stand-up guy. He's, he's he's a blunt guy, you know. He's a guy that's going to come out there. He's not going to hide nothing. He almost gives pretty much 50 to 60% of his game plan in his weekly press conferences in a sense. You know what I mean? Like, he's he's in that's not like in a bad way. But, you know, he's an open coach like that with the media. You know, there's some things that he'll hide. But I think this is one thing that, you know – what could I mean? I'm obviously the recruits knew about it, yeah. so you can't really say that they're hiding this from a recruit angle. But you know, this is kind of a, a thing, a thing that we've seen under Sean Coogler, which is a bad thing. But you go back to you know the, the MJ McFarland stuff, the David Ham stuff, where it's kind of in house, which is fine. I have total respect for that. But you know, things are going to leak out, and obviously it did. The prospector was able to jump on that, but. To me, this was just it blindsided me, bro. I mean, it, well, honestly, I think, it did. I think you know. 
the the Patrick Higgins, I think that that was a must. I think yeah. that had to happen. Things just were not getting done on the offensive end. The, the play calling was just like we called it for three years, basically just too vanilla, too, too you know, it, it, everybody knew what we were going to do. Dictionary run. full of adjectives. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you could, you could name it whatever you want. You can call it whatever you want. But, you know, the Scott Stokely one was a little bit more of a surprise, I would say. And I think more than anything, it was just how quickly it happened. And like you talked about, maybe he's giving these guys an opportunity to kind of feel the market and see what it is out there for them to go out and get another job. But either way, I, I, I mean, the day, basically the day after the season ends, it hits that these guys are done. And, and a lot of people on the comment threads on Twitter have been hitting us up and talking about, you know, I, I can see why Patrick Higgins was uh, Scott Stoker is a little bit more of a question. But you know what? When, when it comes down to it, I know that at times this defense played well. And, yes, there were injuries and whatnot. But really in the end, you know, this was a defense that ranked in the bottom third of almost every major statistical category in the NCAA. So, you know, while there were times um, when they played well, they were actually – probably quite a few more when they didn't. And I look back to that that 52 to 10 spanking out of FIU and that was a big one, man. It, it was no reason for that. You know, that was those were records set by a team uh, at a time when we still felt like we had something to play for and and we just went out there and you know from from the first snap. I mean, that that offense just ran all over us. And and there was a lot of moments like that where the defense just seemed lost, you know, call call the secondary young but they could never quite adjust. There were never adjustments made. I look at the FAU game. There was never any adjustment made to uh, defend uh, – what was the guy's name? I can't even think of his name at this point, but that one six three six four oh, wide receiver uh, that – Zach Pascal from Pascal. Old Dominion. That, that guy had like 12 you know, catches, 12 catches in, the, in, in the first three quarters, and they didn't have one in the fourth. But, you know, there were just never adjustments made when it was needed. And, you know, one thing that kind of shocked me more than just the fact that it happened so quickly, but – it, it, it made me realize a little bit that maybe Sean Cougar had these, like, gave these guys a little more to work with, had a longer leash on them. You know, he didn't have so much control over what was being called and, and the adjustments that were being made in game. Oh, he, he's come out and said that he really didn't as far as what's being called. Yeah, but... and, and so that was kind of a shock to me because as the head coach, there was a time when Mike Price you know, basically took over the play calling midway through the season from Aaron Price because he just wasn't getting it done. That's the kind of thing that a coach has to do. And I was a little shocked to kind of come to that realization that he really didn't have that. He really let these guys go out there and do that despite, you know, the inconsistencies and despite the lack of production on both sides of the football. These guys really had every opportunity to do whatever they needed to do, whatever they felt needed to be done to, to get the ship right. That was a little shocking to me. Yeah, in, in- – you know, it's just you wonder what the way I'm looking at is where do you go in this next direction? I mean, to me, for as bad as Higgins has been the past couple of two years, it seemed like those after those first couple of games of the second half of the season, you're thinking, OK, maybe he did win his job back. You know, and this is something talking with a few people, you know, that that know the situation. This is something that's probably been brewing maybe the past two or three weeks, you know, maybe even going back to the UTSA debacle where we just could not move the football when we're thinking, hell, you know, let's go out there. We have a quarterback in Ryan Metz who's proven that he can sling it around a little bit back to back 200 yard games. And then you go back to, you know, your, your Mac left offense that we've been calling it. And then on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, are, are they trying to get away from the man to man four two five? I really think going based off Sean Cougar's comments and we received that email from UTEP where he talked about their evaluating everything from from himself to scheme. I think we're going to see a different, more traditional scheme in 4-3. I, 
and this is why when he came into Conference USA, Conference USA had that title of being an offensive explosive, but now you don't have that. You have two explosive offenses this year. When I w- went through the stats yesterday, Western Kentucky and Southern Miss, there's some really good running backs in this league now. I don't want, I don't want to say it's still a, a running back driven league yet because honestly, Conference USA has no identity outside of Marshall and Western Kentucky this year and now Southern Miss towards the end of the year. And I think this team may fall back into that traditional 4-3 look because you really don't need a 4-2-5. Now, the teams like TCU that, that plays in these high-powered offensive conferences may. But Conference USA, I think when Kugler came in, maybe he was a little bit you know, unaware of, of the transition that was happening in the Conference USA where at, at the time when you're transitioning, yeah, you need something to stop these spread offenses. But there's, like I mentioned, there's only two really true legit flat-out video game-type offenses. So I think offensively, do we see a scheme change? Who knows? Hey, how about this for riding on the wall? Mark Torres, the commit, I don't know where – I'm not basing this off of anything, but he put out a tweet that said, you tip to the spread offense, which is kind of weird because, like I mentioned earlier in the opening, where you would think that you would let your commits know what's going on. Will you tip go to some sort of run spread? Like we got a question here on Twitter about about the Oregon – run, you know, the Oregon run game, not necessarily throwing the ball, at, you know, 40, 50 times a game, but having that zone read option with Kavika Johnson, who, by the way, had a pretty damn good game running that speed option or that read option against North Texas. But on that defensive side, I really think that this is Cougar just making an, making a scheme adjustment more than just he's fed up with Scott Stoker, in my opinion. And I think we could see them go to the 4-3. They have kind of the personnel now. They may have, if they do that, they're going to have to recruit some Juco linebackers to come in because right now their depth is set on a four two five where you know there's three or four linebackers behind them but you know what you're gonna need a good eight to nine linebackers if you're gonna run a four three it's been a while since we've ran one here and, I, and I've been able to break down the depth chart like I do now at minor rush but I just have a feeling that that's gonna be a huge adjustment if we go to that four three recruiting wise to get some JUCOs in here and possibly even a couple of freshmen but that's just that's my take on it I think we may see some slight scheme adjustments because it's not working. You know, it's not working. And it's not that we, we've sat on here before. It's not, you know, it's, it's not that we don't have the players. Maybe these players, maybe Cougars realizing the players we have don't fit these type of schemes that we're trying to bring in. And I see what you're doing over there, bro. I see you know, what you're I, doing. Just, I like it, it. This was the name that first popped into my head when, when, uh, when, when we, we got the news that, that Scott Stoker and Patrick Higgins were out is Andre Patterson. You know, obviously Andre Patterson was here under Mike Price, and I actually liked Patterson when he was here. He ran a 4-3, if I'm not mistaken. It was a, it was a, a, a sort of an improvement. And, and it was, it was. But, you know, he, he did pretty well. I actually thought the guy was going to have a fair shot at uh, at being the head coach, which Mike Price did as well, actually. I don't know if you remember he endorsed yeah, yeah. him when he left. But either way, you know, this is a guy that I don't know what his where he is at, like, mentally whether he's ready to come back to UTEP or back to the college game he's out there in, in Minnesota defensive line coach so but you know he's off, he's right now coaching in a 4-3 defense so if they were to make that switch to a more base 4-3 then that's you know he's got that, a script already it, it, he's already got a script he already knows the city um I think that could be a, a real good fit let me you throw know? another name at you too how what about Jeff Choke you know that yeah. I wrote about originally yeah. in, in the write-up on that that could be another guy I mean he was slated to be here you know, as that defensive coordinator, then Stoker came in, went to Florida. I don't think it worked. I mean, well, Florida cleaned house. They cleaned house, after, you know, a year after he was there. And now here's that Cougar connection again where he's back with Chris Peterson, 
who Sean Cougar was under the offensive line coach under Chris Peterson at Boise. That's defensive coordinator. I think we can legitimately not, you know, and this is just hearsay. This isn't sources telling us, but I think we can literally throw those two guys' names to the front of, of the of the cannon. Now, offensive coordinator gets a little murky. Yeah, I think, in my I think there's just a, you know there's there's so much to look at when you start looking at offensive play calling, but defensively, I definitely think Jeff Schultz one that could that could be here because he fits in personnel wise. He knows Kugler, you know. They go back, and as we've seen, Cougars like to hire guys that he's comfortable with. You know, that's so, the key word, comfortable. Yeah, so so that's that's that there. You know, I definitely think Andre Patterson, with his history with UTEP, you know, and where he's at right now, he's definitely got a lot of history in the game. Um, he, he could be a, he could be a good fit as well. Another name that a, a few people threw, threw out there. I don't know how how likely this is, but Robert Rodriguez. Yeah. Who's also out there in Minnesota? I think do what defensive back? He's, yeah, you know, no, he's Andre Patterson's assistant on the team. Okay, so he's line. A assistant D line coach. Um, and, and maybe it is time to give a guy like 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 Robert Rodriguez a shot. Obviously, he was here before he was in Minnesota. Um, that's another guy that I'm sure Sean Coogler feels comfortable with, being as, as as they're both sons of the program. They've coached together. Um, Rodriguez oh my God! Did you just see that? He just bammed over him. He didn't just bam over him, bro. Like. Oh, uh, they're we're watching UTR. We're scouting UT Arlington as they take on Texas today. Of course, we got them here in the dawn. On I could see Urban Moore doing that. That was ridiculous, right there. But, but uh, uh, going back to Rodriguez, though, you, you, we, his recruiting here. Talking to yeah. a lot of these recruits the past couple yeah. of years, Robert Rodriguez was a big time, uh, I guess, draw influence. You know, in that, and that could be something where Sean Coogler. That also, we're talking, I want to talk dollars and cents on Rodriguez. I had eight hours on the road to think about this yesterday, coming back from Austin. But, you know, th this guy, he could be a bargain hire yeah. for Kugler. And it, not only a bargain hire for money-wise, but bargain wire to this El Paso pipeline that they're building and strengthening. And not only that, but you get that younger, energized coach that, I mean, you, you go out, you look pregame, and everybody's giving Rob, Rob, Rob a, a hug. All the players love him. You know, he's that essential players coach and not only that but i think he can bring in a good scheme with, with his you know with his playing experience not only playing here but playing you know and playing in canada playing nfl you're playing in the nfl and then now that he's been on the sidelines with a pretty comp with a, one of the best defenses yeah, in the nfl no, they're, they're when i watched him a couple of weeks ago just shut down the raider pass game and Ooh. that but that was I would I think that would be I mean is that it to, to me it would almost borderline a home run higher with Robert Rodriguez because of all the great things we said but if you want experience you want proven guys Cho and Patterson at the top of that system yeah no doubt about it I don't you know I maybe we're completely maybe maybe they're looking in a completely different direction um, but you know, what I think is, is just interesting again, going back to the, the lack of control, I guess that Sean Kugler had, you would think he'd have more control over his guys to make these adjustments because week in and week out, we heard it from him. We heard him talk about the things that they needed to adjust the things they needed to change to come in and be competitive. And, and, and we never saw it. We saw it every now and then there was a little flash of it, but we never saw it on a regular basis. And that was just kind of shocking to me. And, um, Maybe he needs to go out in a completely different direction and 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 hire somebody that that he doesn't know that he's not comfortable with that he does. I don't know if it's just hey we're friends and you know I trust you to to go handle your business so I'm gonna let you do it. Maybe he needs somebody that he can have a, a shorter leash on that you know he doesn't have that personal relationship with. Now he can kind of step on their toes. Yeah, quote unquote, exactly. I, I don't I don't really know. It's, it's 
it's a tough situation, but, you know, regardless, I think, you know, what will be more important, not more important, but what's huge here is going to be the hire on the offensive end. And I don't really have any names to throw out there at this point, but, you know, you got a lot of weapons coming back. Um, 90% of your offense the last exactly. two weeks were freshmen. And in fact, the only person that I can think of that is, that's gone is Autre. Yeah, you know, really, that's 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 major production. So I mean, you've got almost your entire, you know, as far as skill positions go, almost your entire offense coming back. I mean, you've got to make the right hire here. You've yeah. got to utilize these weapons that you've got. You've got to keep Aaron Jones healthy next year. And like we said, like this guy said on, on I'm not sure who it was on on Twitter, but you know, talking about maybe going to more of that Oregon style offense, that spread offense, throw the ball a little more, read you know, read option and whatnot. So we'll see what happens, but. It's going to be an interesting couple months here. I don't expect any decisions to be made um, by January, but I wouldn't expect it to be too much after that because these guys are going to start getting into spring ball pretty soon after and, that. And, and there's two big recruiting weekends coming up. You know, always this is the time where UTEP brings in their, their recruits to visit in December, so this is an important time. You know, they may have somebody locked in, but they may not announce that for a while. Um, offensively, the guy that I'm looking at, it's crazy – uh, because today it actually came out that he's actually interviewing for a head job at the Charlton State coach, which he held uh, the title from 1996 to 2000 to 2004, Todd Witten, the wide receivers coach. I've heard a lot of good things about Todd Witten, about him being that that balancer to the personalities that they have there, because he, he's, you know, we all know Cougar. He's kind of a fiery guy. Um, you know, Scott Stoker was the same. There's a lot of characters that they have on that on that coaching staff this past year. And Witten's always been known as that quiet leader, that guy that can just get the most out of his players with that approach. But he's interviewing for Tarleton State's head coaching job once again. And, you know, looking back at here at his UTEP bio, the last time he had an offensive coordinator job, that was at Sam Houston State. Uh, and he had a running back that, that rushed for 132, uh, 32 yards per game, 11th in scoring. Um, you know, so it's you kind of wonder whether the, if that offense goes in house, which I don't want to see that honestly. But if it is going to be in house, I would like Witten, a former NFL quarterback, has that collegiate head coaching experience. I would go with Witten if we're going to go in house, but I think you got to go outside the box with this one, and you you have to have to hit a home run. Defensive coordinator, like I said, there's a couple guys out there that could fill in great, but I think offensive coordinator with the way this offense is going, and like you mentioned with all the weapons and the Aaron Jones coming back for two years, you got to you gotta get this one out the park. And I think Cougar may understand that because this offense went to the shits last week once again. I mean, I don't understand how this te- – I mean, I get the weather was bad and all that, but there was still no offensive identity other than Kavika Johnson just out-athleting a pretty porous North Texas defense. So it's going to be real interesting. In the past couple of years, this type of year, we've been full-out basketball – and just football recruiting, and now we got coaching changes, important coaching changes, because there could be more that's not being talked about that we don't even know who it could be coming up soon. So that's going to be real interesting to see how it all falls out with huge recruiting and in about, what, eight to 12 scholarships still to fill, more so on that defensive side of the ball as well. You can fit a couple offensive linemen in there, maybe a quarterback, maybe an extra running back, but recruiting that defensive side of the ball is going to be important. So Lots, lots to go down. Yeah, lots man, to lots go to think down. about. Lots to see. You know what's going to happen here in the off season, but should be interesting. And and you know, regardless of of what happens, they are returning next year. You know, and, and as as many downs as there were this year. And I understand there was so many injuries throughout the year, but 
as many downs as there were on this roller coaster ride, you know, there was still a lot of bright spots and there's still a lot to look forward to next year. And, you know, you, you get some things corrected in, in, in the, you know, the style of offense and the play calling and whatnot, utilize your, your weapons a little better. Um, this defense gets a little better, you know, a little older. I definitely think that there's, that this is a team that could, that could be a surprise next year in conference USA. I mean, there's no reason why we should be any worse than we were this year. Let's put it that way. But uh, there's every reason to believe that we should be better. But again, it'll be interesting and it's interesting off season, see who these hires are, see what kind of recruits we get in the, in the recruiting period coming up. But let's get over to these questions here. A few questions that we've got on the minor rush um, open thread and a lot of, a lot of uh, talk, I guess, started about the coordinators and we've gotten to that, but uh, we'll start with Lebowski Jr. down here. He's talking about hoops. And he, he says, I'm curious to know what CTS plans to do about the rebounding vacuum. The potential Achilles heel is going to hurt and haunt this team all year. If we can remedy the rebounding gap, um, what other areas are going to suffer, transition, fast breaks? Um, you know, we talked a little bit about it before as we were coming on. And I think the biggest thing, and I mentioned it in my little thoughts about Corpus Christi post. Solid post. Thanks, man. I appreciate Solid that. Post. Appreciate that, bro. Really was. I ain't been <laughs> no, but you know what? I think my my biggest takeaway is that we just can't be running so much junk defense, so much zone, switching it up all the time because you leave guys out of position. You leave guys out of position, especially in that zone. And not only that, we saw a team like in the first half, Colorado State burned us. A Happened few about times. five. I mean, eight it was times. just like like every time we, we we went into that zone, they were just burning us on it. But either way, you know, I think that's one of the biggest keys. You know, you got to start running a lot more man and just trust your guys to stay out of foul trouble, keep hands off. That's another thing I talked about in that. And, and that in and of itself will give you a better opportunity to be in better position to get rebounds. But, man, it, it's going to be tough. I don't think, you know, this team is just not built to be a good rebounding team, you know. Can they get by? I definitely think they can. But I don't think we can expect to be dominating teams on the glass throughout the year. We saw that from day one in the exhibitions, you know, where teams were really dominating us. And, and we're talking about exhibition games where the teams are definitely at a much lower level than this team is. And, you know, it, it's going to hurt us at times. But, you know, like I said, things can be done as far as, you know, changing changing your defenses up and giving you, putting your team in a better position. I also think, though, that, you know, our guards – our guards are going to just have to do a much better job of boxing out because there were times that I just noticed them just just taking off down court. A shot goes up and they're already streaking down the other end, and it's like, hey, we got to secure this basketball before we can go the other way. And if you watch film of it, there was a number of times where Colorado State had four and five guys down below still going for that basketball, and we've got one, maybe two. And it, the simple numbers, you know, we're going to tell you everything. You just can't rebound two on four, two on five. It's just it's not going to happen. So you know, things like that are a couple. Of that I think we can improve on. But in this whole scheme of things, there's only so much room for improvement because this team just isn't built to be a, a good rebounding team. I think it's fundamentals. I think the dude hit it on the hit it right on the head when he says, seems to me solid fundamental blockouts get it done. I agree. I think that I think that's what maybe the coaches are going to realize because there was against Southern Illinois, they really blocked it. They did a that was a really fundamental when you talk about these fundamental well coached teams, watching those guys as soon as a shot goes up, get Find that elbow, find that space. It's just the basic fundamentals that th that this team is going to go through to improve that. Because, like you said, it's really this team isn't built, and it's something that you know may not improve overnight or over a five-game stretch. When you play a smaller conference USA team, yeah, it could be. But like I said, when you get to these March, these important games when you need that. But it's I think fundamentals is a big deal with it. 
No doubt about it. Uh, a few comments there. Tech 8 and Minor Life are giving us props for the site and just talking about the uh, coverage that we give, which is actually a credit to Alex more than myself. But good stuff there. Um, and I remember another question came in on Twitter. Well, UTEP B-Ball fan is asking about Matt Wilms, if he's able to get a medical redshirt. And I, I would assume that the answer is yes. Yeah, and, and I think I, I think uh, um, Floyd even mentioned that he's able to because his, his quote-unquote redshirt was his Prop 48 year. So technically, if Floyd wanted a red shirt, Matt Wilms just a red shirt him, he could. So yeah, we're good on that. And then uh, we also got a question about the mix. Uh, exactly, Mark the, on Twitter is asking any McSwiggin news, and I think Alex has a little bit. Yeah, well, we, we posted that up uh, on Floyd's interview yesterday, where um, you know basically what what's going down. Uh, you know they they hired an attorney for McSwiggin to get this issue cleared up, and supposedly, obviously, last week when they filed it with the holiday weekend, you're not going to hear nothing, but. Floyd was quoted as saying, and he came out and said it on the interviews we posted up here on the rush, the, the practice interviews, that uh, Floyd will uh, assume that they're expecting to hear something back Wednesday. I think there's a good chance that we could hear something back Wednesday because, it's, you know, you're seeing all these other kids, even New Mexico State's kid, uh, Jonathan Wilkins, was recently cleared with some NCAA uh, clearinghouse issues as far as transferring overseas so I, I think we could I, I'm about 60 to 70 percent sure that Floyd wouldn't come out and say that if he wasn't 80 to 90 percent sure to say that so I think on Wednesday we could hear something either bad or good about what's going on with Mick Swagger but we need him then no doubt about it Leo Miners fan asking about uh Ivan Venegas and saying um why not play Ivan Venegas when we need post players too slow raw etc um all of the above. Yeah. You know, I just think he's, he's not, not ready. He's not ready for this level. I mean, you know, look at the guy. The guy wasn't even a basketball player until just about three years ago. So he's still developing as a basketball player. And I, I definitely think, you know, a, a red shirt. Exactly. He's a good project. And, and, a, and a, a red shirt or, sit, you know, a year for him to sit out and kind of gain that experience in, in practice and just kind of get to this level would, would do wonders for him. So I definitely think he's not quite there yet. I also think, you know, they're really counting on Rodgers mm. to come back. You know, I don't know exactly what the timetable is. There was, was a tweet from the El Paso Times saying, I don't know if he's out there practicing yet. I doubt it, but that he's looking good. I don't know if he's off crutches. We'll find but out. Basically, obviously this that, you know, in the end, it seems like uh, the it was prognosis was, or, you know, it actually turned out to be sooner rather than later that he would be back. I know it was either pretty much three or four weeks or three or four months, and it looks like it's probably going to be more like the three to four weeks. And, and I think that's another thing why they wouldn't bring in a guy like Venegas because they're still counting on Brodericks to be back in a couple weeks here. And I think they think they can get by um, with Brodericks or I, I, I guess so until Brodericks get back, they can they, they can get by without him. And, you know, we'll get into some basketball talk later on, but I definitely think that they can. You look at the schedule coming up, we don't play a lot of real big teams in the non-conference. So, you know, I, I, there's going to be some issues. We're going we're gonna to have to keep guys out of foul trouble like we saw, you know, with Terry Wynn getting four fouls early on in that Colorado State game. But um, I, think, I think they'll be okay without bringing in guys like Venegas. He's still got Romine, who's been coming off the bench for a few minutes here and there, and he can play an expanded role if necessary. And, you know, Terry Wynn, man, that guy's what we thought he was going to be. They are who we thought they were. Let's just jump into basketball talk. Let's just jump right into it, man. I mean, what a weekend, bro. I mean, you know, this team really just – I think my biggest takeaway is this team found themselves. They found an identity in two scores with Moore and Irvin. You got a great point guard in Dominic Artis. Hooper Vint is starting to – not Hooper Vint on himself, yeah. and, and he's it's crazy. Like, I wrote uh, my blog post after the first game. It's weird to say this about a fifth-year senior, but 
Hooper Vince growing up in front of our eyes. Yeah. I mean, you know, better later than we've never, waiting, but we've been, we've been waiting, waiting for, for this. Years, man. You know, and not only that, but but in the next point, Terry Wynn, like we mentioned, and then this team has scary depth. Shooters, shooting depth, not, you know, the shooting depth with, with Touchette and Flaggard, and, and just this team is really finding themselves without an Omega Harris, without Josh McSwiggin, who we figure the way Floyd talks about him is going to have some pretty big impact on this team. And if anybody that has YouTube has watched the skills that he can bring, he's almost like a Flaggard S. You hope that you can get, you know, some of that that production that Flaggard's bringing. I mean, Flaggard's, what, 9 of 14, 8 of 14 from 3. I think McSwiggin can do the same while he eases himself into doing more as a true freshman. But, you know, this team is really going to just keep – I think they're going to continue to get better. I don't think – I was kind of worried – you know, just thinking random thoughts that this team may peak too early. But I think there's too many variables on this team and too many things that haven't happened yet with this team that we're going to see them grow. And, I mean, it was just really fun to watch and be a part of this. Yeah, and, and I definitely agree with most of your points. But the one thing that I do kind of disagree on is the depth aspect. I, I don't think we're as deep of a team as, as people might see on the outside looking in, talking about minutes and whatnot, and you see how many guys actually get into the game. But when you really kind of take a step back and look at it, you know, Tev hasn't played that many minutes in these last few games. He played early on in the season. These last couple of games out of town, he didn't play a whole lot. You know, even uh, even to Trey Touchette, he's coming in. He's really spelled Dominic Artis when Dominic's gotten into foul trouble. And, and you know, that was another one of my points in the in the in in that write-up, man. It's just it was pretty impressive to see him because we really felt like he was more of a set shooter, um, you know, type of guy. And he's coming in and playing the point. He backed up John Gillian. Yeah, one of the best yeah. point guards on the Mountain West. And he made he made a few very good plays in that game. And, and again, just taking care of the basketball, and that's really all we need. To, that's all we ask of him yep. because we've got the scores out there. <laughs> yeah, and, and so that's 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 huge. But you know, when you really take a step back and look at it, I mean, Touche hasn't done a whole lot offensively. He's made some plays, and that's great. But you know, when you talk about depth, you're talking about guys that can come in, and you don't really. There's not a drop-off, a huge drop-off. And when you talk about the drop-off between Dominic Artis and Trey Touchette, it's big. It's been more than – more than more. you didn't see it at Colorado State, but more so this season compared to just one game. I get what and, you're and, saying. And you look at, you know, the loss of Rodericks. Now, granted, it's short-term, but you look at the loss of Rodericks, you look at playing a whole lot. You look – you know, Venegas isn't playing. Romain is only playing a few minutes here and there. There's, there's really not that much – there's guys to come in and play a few minutes if necessary, but – you know, even when we saw this team get into foul trouble in the second half, you had three guys with like 10 minutes to go that all had four fouls. Both games. And and we stuck with them because we had to, because there really isn't that depth. It's kind of an illusion, if you will, because there are the bodies there if we really need them, but there's just such a drop-off right now because most of them are so young, you know, so inexperienced I that agree. it's hard, agree it's hard that. to put those guys, even Flaggart, you know, Flaggart's definitely stepped up. He's made a few threes, but, you know, it's hard to – to, to sub in Flaggart and and take out Irvin Morris, you know it, it's a it's a huge drop off. You know you just talk about uh, Irvin Morris coming in now is, is really setting himself up to potentially be a first team All Conference player, you know. And, and and so when you talk about that and you, you sub in Flaggart, it's not a knock on Flaggart. It's just talking about how good Irvin Morris is. And so again, you know that's the only thing that I see with this team moving forward. There there's so they have so many weapons. You know they're they're a team that's exciting to watch they can score points they have scores they have you know young talent they have you know athletic long guys they have pretty much everything that we can ask for in a Tim Floyd team really everything that we've been expecting from a Tim Floyd team for six years now it, it's finally here but the depth 
isn't quite there. Now, I do think that, okay, once Broderick's comes back, that's big. That's a huge addition. And then once Omega comes back, that's an even bigger addition because uh, Trey Touche is kind of going to get put on the back burner, I think. But but you talk about now you don't really have to worry about Dominic Artis getting into foul trouble. Now, of course, you don't want him to. But, you know, now you have a guy where there isn't as big of a drop-off coming in with Omega Harris, a guy that can still defend, still score, you know, smart with the basketball. So, you know, you just – there's not that depth quite there yet, but hopefully in the next few weeks we'll see it. Uh, another question I wanted to ask real quick, though. Um, have you heard anything about Omega Harris? I mean, I know we were talking about grades. I think semester's well, coming he, up. He tweeted 12 days. 12 today? And today's the 13th is when I, I want to guess. We might have to look that I think up we had said that at the beginning. We were looking at that Washington State that, that, game yeah. as the first so, so according, possible. And I'm pretty sure that his grades are straight up right now. I mean, I, there's no doubt about it. Floyd's pretty confident. You know, they, they there hasn't been that worry comment. You know, I think Omega's done a hell of a job in taking care of himself and getting himself back. And I think we're going to see him back for that Washington State game. So I'm, I, whenever that semester ends, you've got to have a – got to have a UTEP student or something with a plug on that, you know, that knows when these grades come out or know when exactly when the semester yeah, ends. I think know, tweet us. Any, any UTEP students out there listening right now, yeah. tweet at us. And, I, they, you know, it has to be put. Semester. The way I see it is, you know, normally, I, I mean, I graduated <clears throat> years ago. But, You're a um, young man. Nah, I'm, I'm not old, but I'm not young. Now, I graduated, I think, seven years ago now. But, well, 13th you know, is a Sunday. The, so. the point is, when I graduated, I believe, it was like, you know, around the 10th, 11th, 12th, yeah. somewhere in that where the, where the semester would end. Now, grades, though, wouldn't be released until almost the end of December. It was like maybe just before Christmas. But I think, I think for NCAA purposes, exactly. athlete, athlete, yeah, athlete, they would do that with us. As baseball, soon as those grades are in, they're going to yeah. have those it's grades. Different. So I would, I would hope that, you know, with finals being done, I would assume at the end of next week, right? Yeah, because that would be the 10th and the 11th. The 10th, 11th, so, which would put him, you know, which should make him eligible for that Washington State game. That's definitely what, what I'm pulling for, man. What else did you see, though? I mean, you were out there in Corpus. You got to see this team firsthand. Um, Energy. Saw, I want to know what your take on this. We saw them get a big lead or a fairly big lead against Southern Illinois, give it up, lose it, and have to come back at the end to win it. And then we saw them fall behind 17 points against Colorado State and, and then have to come back and win it. I mean, what, what did you – see from this team what did you what did you think about that I mean just seeing the inconsistencies in play that I think now that we're thinking about it it could be that lack of quote-unquote depth that you're talking about where you get these jobs especially when Dominic Artis went because that was the big deal how would this team fare in that point without Dominic Artis who picked up three fouls in the first half twice twice so I, I think really this team was able to weather their storm you know, just from flat out energy. I mean, this team, they just don't quit. They just have this, and it, it, the perfect quote from Urban Morris after the game, we just don't want to lose, you know, and I think you feel that. I think this team, Floyd's talked about this from the beginning, how hungry and how eager these guys are. And I think you saw that. And like Floyd said, we didn't have to go in there and, and, and bark at them or yell at them at the half, you know, and I think this team just realizes how good that they can be collectively. The ball moved a little bit more. You know, guys started taking attacking it to the, the rim. rim. Attacking the rim was huge for these guys because there's two or three guys on this team that can do it. And then you've seen the confidence from those two guys for a trade to Jet that goes up for a reverse layup and backs down one of the best point guards in the Mountain West. Confidence grew big time. And that's why in my preview today, when you look at that New Mexico State game, compared to where they're at, where we're at, 
our quote unquote depth, our quote unquote guys that 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 we're gonna have to rely on when DA goes out, when Morris goes out with foul trouble, or when Morris needs a blow, or when Moore needs a blow, or you know, if either of them aren't hitting, these guys understand their roles to come in and, and make plays and to just to continue to fight. And I think they're learning how to win. That's really the biggest thing that I took away from. You know, and not only that, but the way that they started against Colorado State. I mean, yeah, geez, 16 yeah. to 8 were up. They come out and outscore. It was, what, like 28 to 10 or something. They outscored us from that point. But really, I mean, in, in that Colorado State game, I mean, Colorado State was just hot during that stretch. I mean, yeah. eight three-pointers during that stretch, finishing the half with nine. Sometimes, you know, that that's a big thing, too, is because I think these guys realize that. You know what? Yeah, we're getting pummeled on the boards. You know, things aren't going our way, but they're – quote-unquote, getting lucky, in a sense, you no. know, because in the second half, that changed. The I, actually, changed. I actually was going to mention that exact word, uh, lucky, you know, because the truth is that we did get very lucky against Colorado State. Yeah. Look, we played, we played so good in the second half. We played 100 times better than we did in the first half, or at least for that last eight-minute stretch of the first half. But the reality was that there was about five or six times where a shot went up from Colorado State, a three-pointer went up from Colorado State in that second half, and I almost expected it to go oh, in. Yeah. And it's just like, if this one goes in, that's going to be it's gonna tough to come back. And they kept rimming off, they kept rimming off, they kept in the second half, you know. And, and I like Urban Morris's comment that, you know, they just don't want to lose. But the truth of it is that you cannot play that inconsistent because there are going to be teams, and, and Colorado State's good enough, but Real there good. are going to be teams that are too good to come back on. You know, and Colorado that State, one guy that just and Colorado State, in my opinion, is one of those teams that was quote unquote too good to come back on. We just it we just hit on all cylinders yeah. in the second half. Everything went right for us in that second half, including video reviews, <laughs> you know, everything. So you know, I just it, it's gonna be tough to to play so inconsistent. Like you know, another thing that that really caught me, man, was was Dominic Artis's inability to stay on the court. That can't happen. And he had a poor shooting that, weekend. That can't He did. But you know what? You don't need him to score 20 points. Yeah. If, he's, if he's going for 8.7 assists, 5 rebounds, that's, what that's, we need, that's yeah. great. You know, that's Couple perfect. fields, seven Couple downs. Fields. But the one thing we cannot have him do is, is head to the bench. We cannot have that. And, and it might be one thing when Omega's there to kind of back him up. But right now, we need him. You know, and, and, and the way he went out two times in a row, quick fouls, three fouls, it's just not Tim Floyd style defense. You know, got to bring the hands up. Bullshit they might be, but they, we've they seen were, it but, all yeah. year. We've seen so it all year. So you got to prepare. You got to understand position. that. You got to move your feet. And and that's I kind of felt bad for Da because yeah, some, I mean, four, three to four of those calls over the weekend were like you're gonna you're gonna get those two three years ago they wouldn't have been yeah. called, but Agreed. obviously we know. Agreed. So you know that's big to get. Like you said, you don't need. I mean, it's great because when Dominic Artist is scoring eighteen to twenty points, this team is a different level caliber of good i mean right now we're pretty damn good but that turns you almost into that great i don't want to say just yet i don't want to anoint nobody yet because it's still early and there's a lot to prove but what are you looking for against new mexico state we talked about the guard matchup where we really just outmatched them at the guard for once you know we've been out guard outmatched by guards for them for a while the tables have flipped you know what's this what do you want to see from this team well, is, here's the one thing that everybody already knows NMSU is, is Pascal Siakam. That's NMSU. That's all they've got right now. And, and I don't know that we've got anybody that can match up with him defensively. You know, Terry, Seth Lang ain't walking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Seth Lang is not walking. Well, he could, but he's probably not going to be able to play. Okay. But, you know, it's just – Hooper Vin, 
is not that style of, of bang it out, you know, you know, big man, you know, muscle it up, muscle up with him. Terry Wynn is kind of turning into that guy, but Terry's still a little smaller. He, he plays a little smaller, a little smaller. So I, I just don't know that we've got anybody that can really body him up and play physical with him down there. And if we do, I think what's going to end up happening is we're going to start getting into foul trouble with those guys. So really what I'm looking for is, look, do your best against him. If he goes off for 30 points and 10, 12 rebounds, I don't have a problem with that. In fact, that's almost expected. You know, I don't want it to happen, but that's almost expected. What we need to do is make sure that nobody else is going off for 20 points because that's where we're going to get beat. You're going to let Siakam get his no matter what. Don't let anybody else beat you. Siakam will not beat you on his own. Now, like you mentioned, though, coming in, we were talking about it. The one thing you can't do is let him get 20 rebounds and have – 10, 15 points on second chance opportunity. Going to be that we cannot allow. Because if guys are if guys are putting up shots, missing shots, you can't be giving him every single offensive board and let him get his points on the offensive rebounds. You know, you got to be able to box out, get your boards. If he gets his 25, 30 points, he gets his 25, 30 points. But if you're taking care of the rebounds and you're taking care of everybody else defensively, you will win this game. Running down some stats for the Aggies, the most thing that stands out slaps me dead across the face and slaps me back, backhanded once again. Plus 15.3 on the boards. You can give that a lot to Siakam. I mean, the kid's averaging a double-double, 26 and 11.8 uh, if you're in a rounding up. But, I mean, that's really the big thing. That's also another thing that I see, they're shooting 49%. Again, that's a product of a guy like Siakam that can get his shot around, around the rim. And also Tanvir Bilar, who's really not that impressive, and we'll get into that either. We'll also get into that. But they're guards. I mean, there's only one guard. And, and that's uh, that's the point guard. Damn, I saw the top of my head. I, I was talking about him. Too. I just wrote about the boo. Um, uh, uh, damn, they're all conference guy. I'll pull it up right here. But basically, Ian Baker, Ian Baker Ian is the Baker. only guy that's shooting 40% or higher, and he's shooting 40% from the field. I mean, New Mexico State as a team, they're shooting 34% from the three-point line. You know, and, and while they're holding teams to 37%, 37% as a defense from the field, I mean, those are just things that I feel that we can kind of take away. We can extend that pressure out. And not only that, but they, they kind of are turnover prone. They're negative 4.8 or negative 4.9 on the turnover margin. And really, that's going to be another key, too. If we can basically keep anything to do to keep the ball out of Siakam's hand, poke, poking away, getting easy transition buckets the other way is going to be key. And you, like you mentioned, you hit it right on the head, and that's the big key making other guys get theirs, the Ian Bakers, Matt Taylor. Uh, those guys really haven't been consistent, and those guys are relied upon. Braxton Huggins is another guard that's relied upon, and they just haven't been consistent. They're all shooting under 40% on the year, and that's – you compare and contrast to where UTEP's at, and, you know, all these guards, you got uh, Irv and, and, and Lee Moore averaging 17. That's a big contrary, uh, you know, compare and contrast to look at it. And, and – the level of play of uh, competition is almost equal because look at their wins. Houston Baptist, I think, is one of them. You know, they haven't really – all the good teams that they played against, even New Mexico was able to shut down their guards big time. I mean, those guards, New Mexico State guards, were non-fast. I sat there and watched that game. But, again, Siakam got his. So it's kind of pick your poison on this one. But, you know, the big thing about it, like we mentioned before, you just never know what's going to happen in these rivalry games. Is the crowd going to fire up Braxton Huggins where he hits a couple of threes in a row or he gets into the lane and gets somebody into foul trouble? So 
I mean, so many things to look at. But that main thing is, like you mentioned, just don't let anybody else outside of Pascal Siakam beat you. And you should be in that game and give yourself a chance to win with your with solid play yourself. But back to that Bullar kid, I'm not impressed, man. I'm really not impressed. Two blocks in 135 minutes. I mean, this guy, watching him play, he's, he's, he really gets lost. I, you know, he's going to be a factor for taking up space, and he's probably going to have seven to eight rebounds in this game because he's 7-3, and we don't have anybody else that can bang around. But other than that, I think we have to be aggressive. I would love to see Terry Wynn go at him and get him into foul trouble early. He hasn't seen – I don't know if he's seen an athletic guy that can move the way that Terry Wynn moves and the way that he can finish. That's going to be a key because I'm not impressed with him. I'm impressed with Siakam. I'm impressed with the other guy in there. Uh, we're, let me look, Jonathan Wilkins, he's 6'10". He's a longer guy. Those two guys are worried about us getting easy buckets around the rim. I, I wrote today that I think that this team, this UTEP team, is going to have to maybe not rely on the jump shot, but there's going to be certain sequences where that may be the only thing that we're getting is a decent look. Now, I'm not saying we're going to be forcing, but we have those guys that can hit those. So I think hitting jump shots also is going to come into play because of their length, because they may pack it in themselves. They may go to a zone because they can figure, hell, UTEP ain't going to out-rebound us. They're not going to jump over the top of us. If we can tip it alive to our big guys and, and kick it out in transition, that's going to be a key. But we're going to have to hit outside shots in this game to kind of bring them out at the same time. But not only that, we got to be able to drive and try to get them into foul trouble as well. We've seen it happen. We've seen, we, we've seen teams kind of do it to UTEP, especially in Corpus Christi. So that's going to be interesting to see how they attack that length that New Mexico State's going to have down low. Look, I think I think we're best when we attack the rim. Yeah, I think that's where our strength. Oh, is. you, you because Colorado we've, State game. We've got guys that that can you know drive the lane, get to the bucket, and can finish at the rim, and that's where we're best. When we were at, at our worst against Colorado State, and and even against Southern Illinois, was when we kept settling for threes. Mm-hmm. You know what? We've got athletes, we've got even shooters, we've got scorers, but we're not a great three point shooting team right now. Maybe later on in the season, some guys will kind of come into their own and, and get hot. But at this point, we are not a three-point shooting team. And when we start settling for long jumpers like that, that's when we start running into issues. These guys have got to drive the lane, like you mentioned, try to get guys like Siakam, like, like Bular. Even though Bular only plays 22 minutes a game, he's only averaging six rebounds a game. So the guy's really not very productive. And he's nowhere near what his brother was. Nowhere near. You know, so you, – but you got to – you got to – you got to just – Make those guys come out and guard you. Make them come off of their lane. Make them come off the block and try to try to contest your shots. And you know, another thing that I saw this team do very well was dropping it off. There was a two, three, four times where yeah, and and you see they drive the lane. Somebody would come off and they drop it off for the easy. You know, they dump it off for the easy lane. Awareness to that cutter too. And I and I definitely think that that's going to play a big factor in this game because I think guys like. Bular and like you mentioned uh, with the Taylor are going to be very active in trying to kind of get blocked. They're not looking back. Yeah, exactly. And you're going to be able to draw them off of their man as you drive and dish it off for the ELS. But again, it starts with driving the lane. It starts with, with being aggressive, attacking the rim. And a lot of good things happen. You know, that's when you get guys in foul trouble. That's when you start getting to the free throw line. You're not going to get to the free throw line 30 times a game by, by shooting 23s, 33s. It's, just, it's not going to happen. So we need to continue to be aggressive. That's when we're at our best. That's where our guys who are athletes, you know, we saw Urban Morris come in and he would drive the lane. He doesn't even need to get to the rim. He's so smooth at that little six, eight, ten foot shot, just a little pull-up jumper. It, it's just it, it's beautiful. And, and you get in the lane, you give him that free shot, it's almost a guaranteed point. 
That's what we need to do. Continue to attack, drive the lane, get to the rim, get guys in foul trouble, get to the line. And, and again, uh, defensively, just don't let anybody else beat you. Let's see I can get his. Don't let anybody else beat you. But, you know, man, I, I don't mean to look ahead. I, I told you this before coming in. Looking, looking, the way, looking at the way the schedule sets up, there is really an opportunity for this team to win a lot of games even into conference play, because I think I, I can't remember who we start off with. Right, uh, North Texas, either, okay, either right. or something like that. So th- there's really an opportunity for this team to get on a roll here, and it's going to start right now with New Mexico State. I, actually, it started with Colorado State. That was the first big win, and and now you've got your first real road test. Even though obviously Colorado State and Southern Illinois were away from home, but they were neutral court, so you've got your first real road test against NMSU. UT Arlington's looking good, man. They got some good some good wins against Memphis and Ohio State, even though those two teams are not as good as, as we would normally expect them to be. Um, and then you got the Washington State game. But, you know, you test here, but they're winnable games. They're games that you can you can really start to build your resume with. Let's put it that way. Um, these are games that if you lose, they can be tough games for your resume. But if you win these games, you've got something going here. And they're all winnable. Washington State hasn't looked that good, you know. Then we come back and play MSU. We've got Norfolk. And then possibly Irvine, UC Irvine. UC Irvine. After, right after yeah, so you, you really got an opportunity to string a lot of wins together. And then you start off at home in conference against Rice and North Texas. Your first real real test, Middle Tennessee has been doing okay, but it's not until you go to UAB, I would say. I mean, you would probably – That's a tough road trip either way. Either I, way, yeah. yeah. Middle Tennessee looked – I mean, they won the Great Alaska shootout. You know, that may not be a sparkling, glamorous tournament, you know, like that. They got pretty much their whole team coming back from last year. So, that's that is, you're right. That's going to be kind of the first Conference USA test right off the bat. We'll figure it out. I think we've matched up so much. And not to go too far, I think we match up so much better than last year with mm-hmm. our style of offense. Yeah, Tennessee. Yeah. They're going to want to dirty it up and yeah, slow it down. Yeah, we're going to be able to and shoot right guards, on top of Exactly. Them. Our guards are just too much for them to handle. But that's, yeah. that's for another day. Woo! Conversation, baby! It's, 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 it's exciting, man. It, it starts tomorrow. I just the fact that this team's six and zero right now is very exciting because that win against Colorado State was one that really has eluded Tim Floyd since he's been here. You know, it wasn't like it wasn't like it was this power conference team that we knocked off, but it was the championship game against a pretty damn good team, a team that I think is going to make some noise in the Mountain West. Yeah, I think so too. You know, They're going to be in the upper three, upper definitely. Four. You know, top four, I would say for sure. Maybe even make a run at the championship. I'm not exactly sure what what conference. Who else is there? Yeah, but. But, you know, that was a type of game that we've fallen short in over and over and over since Tim Floyd's been here. And, and Or we get blown out at halftime. Yeah, and, and I just – we finally got that win, and it, it kind of just lends some hope to the season, to, like, it being what we wanted and expected to be. I don't know if we're there, but – We'll find out tomorrow. Probably, yeah, we'll because find that's, out. I mean, you know, and, that's, and then we're going back to now – Talking about quote unquote signature program wins, maybe not, you know, no one outside is, is calling that, is going to call it a great win. But to us that have been around, that new, you look at New Mexico State too, Menzies has had Floyd's number. Yeah. And maybe not winning, you know, of course, winning tomorrow, but winning back in El Paso too, that's going to start that. That could change that tide and really, really open everybody's eyes to, sh- you know, and then put that proof that, hey, yeah. I haven't put my foot in my mouth with UT Arlington, bro, because they're over here. I mean, I know Texas isn't great this year, but they're over here looking like they may be beating Texas, too. And I still can't record that thing because DirecTV's freaking website is slow <laughs> as hell. So there you go. 
But yeah, at, uh, 7, 7 on the dot tomorrow. You can find that one on the Aggie Vision. Uh, Altitude 2, ESPN3, you can stream it. Check your uh, check DirecTV. It should be on there. Uh, Comcast, I think if you have that. I think some of them will be on tape delay tomorrow. But that's, that's a big one. Let's go 7-0. Let's do it, man. Let's move on and start talking a little football. Um, all right, I'm done with that. How was that? That was a good football segment, right? Well, with spring ball. <laughs> Look, I'm happy – that this team was able to get this win on Saturday. I'm not happy how it happened. No. It's just like, it was just frustrating to watch. And, you know, you talk about a pick six is really the difference in the game. And for your offense to go out there against a terrible defense like North Texas and really only manage 13 points is pretty. Couldn't even cross the 50 I mean, in the first half. I mean, it's just. I don't even know what to say about I, it. I watched it last night. It's play calling, man. And and that's I think that had to be, as you bite on a straw, that had to be the last straw that just Cougar just was probably – you know, Cougar looked pissed. Cougar looked pissed on Saturday. I don't know if it's because he was cold as fuck. <laughs> you know, his cheeks were rosy. He didn't look too happy. I wouldn't be happy out there. But there was just frustration, you know. Usually when a big play happens, Sean is, is – you know, he's, he's a monster on the sideline. He'll get into it. But I didn't see that. You know, something just ticked him off, and I think it was the offense because it was that same vanilla offense. Like I mentioned earlier, the only thing that worked was his own read with Kavika Johnson. I haven't seen so many motions with faking a jet sweep in an end around. I mean, it's literally like Patrick Higgins was like, look, I, I don't fucking know. Like, I don't fucking know. We're just going to fucking run Warren Reddick's in motion, and we're going to fucking either run a dive off it, or we're going to hand it to his ass. I mean, dude, really. Like, I'm watching the second half yesterday, and I'm tired as fuck from driving all day. But, I'm, that, I mean, there, it doesn't take a genius to watch, like, Patrick Higgins. like when you can't beat your boy Madden. You yeah, yeah, you start running reverses <laughs> and bullshit. Dude. Like, it's real. Like, it, it, as stupid, as weak as an analysis that sounds, oh, I think it just came to that point where, you know what? We've seen it all from this motherfucker, dude. And, and I think Cougar was just like, you know what? I love you, Pat. You know, you're my boy. You know, you have a good resume. You're an intern head coach at a Power 5 school. But you know what? You're just and, not and getting it done. And I think that might be one of the reasons why it happened so fast. Yeah. Because it was just so – he was just so fed up with it, just so tired of it. I mean, he looked pissed, it, it just – like, there was no reason for that. Once, honestly, one honestly, one honestly there was no reason for this team not to make a bowl game. Weird. This team should have been seven and five, maybe even eight and four. Yep. You know, we should have beat UTSA. That was a very bad football team that came in here and just embarrassed us. Yep. Well, we embarrassed ourselves, Pretty but in turn, they embarrassed us. Embarrassed. You go on the road against Old Dominion, and you have every opportunity, every opportunity to to make a play, to pull ahead, to to it just. There was, there was. We should be talking about going to a bowl game, right? Tech, you know, I don't even want to bring even up that La, fucking Tech, man. I mean, it's not, it's not a guarantee that field goal. Even if you keep goals, the field goal, you, they, they still they, have they, a chance. They may still come yeah, back but play. there was, so there was, how many opportunities did the defense give you? And, and you going back to this North Texas game, I mean, how great was that defense to allow three points really in that entire game? I mean, it was a punt return and mm-hmm. and, and a. And a stupid and I, that right there. Did you see that play? How they recovered that fumble? I didn't see that. It was a stupid. It was that stupid stat formation that they tried to run. It was a bubble screen. The receiver had no idea. It was Jaquan White had no idea that it was a lateral. A North Texas. I want to say it was like a defensive end or a linebacker was steady enough to pick up and go. That probably just 
that that was probably the last straw. I didn't. It probably didn't even matter what it was. I think that play and and the I was listening to the radio on that one. The sound of Tyshers' voice. You know, Tyshers don't really hide his colors in the moment of the you know in the heat of the moment. Maybe at these coaches shows he's a little bit more reserved. But Tyshers really wanted to sound like he just wanted to throw up on that one. I mean, that shit was like I was I was just sitting there like damn like if Tyshers. Is having this tone, like I can just imagine what Cougar's saying. I mean, that was that was piss poor, man. And I mean, it just it, like I text you after the game. I'm proud of Cougar. I'm proud of him, yeah. you know, because you know, it, for one, these are all his buddies, like we mentioned, you know, and, and he's and he's said all the right things and he's gone through it, you know. As much as as we've come up here and dogged him about, yeah. you know, we we're not sure what his vision is. You know what? He's real about this I'll shit. Agree to that. You know, he, he is being real about this shit where he wants these changes. He wants, you know, he, he's a minor. Yeah. You know, I think that's also starting to show too. You know, the fact that he's been here, you know, maybe it wasn't showing when he was in Philadelphia or Pittsburgh with the Steelers because, you know, who the hell roots for UTEP or talks about UTEP over there. But I think he's showing that, you know what? He is a minor. He wants to win not only for his job, for Bob Stoll, for the betterment of the program, for financial reasons. But I think he's seen that the fans are getting frustrated. Maybe he's seen – I don't know if this is true, but maybe he's seen that the boosters are getting frustrated. Maybe he's realizing this and saying, look, you know, this is what has to be done. And I think that's what we're seeing with this. You know, next thing now is recruit, man. you got to go out there and recruit. My so biggest what, – What are you looking for in recruiting? Obviously, we need to see what's going to happen with that defense. Either way, you're looking for some linebackers. Well, for, first off, let's just hope that we don't have too much turnover from guys leaving from a coaching change. You, you never know. A lot of guys, uh, and, and this is the thing oh, that I that can take in the back. Though, that... Yeah, cause, because because I can back this where a lot of guys that I've interviewed and we've had here on the podcast before. It's about Cougar. Yeah, you know, so exactly. so that could be something where we may not see as many as we think. But obviously, the first part, you got to go linebacker. You got to go JUCO linebacker. You know, you're going to need a JUCO linebacker. You're also going to need a JUCO defensive end to replace Roy Rob. You know, you're going to need somebody opposite of Nick Usher because Alvin Jones is going to be your second best pass rusher or your best pass rusher with Nick being your second one. So, and I know they have a couple offers out to some defensive ends. And also you got a couple guys redshirting. You know, you're getting Luke Elsner back from his back surgery. But I think also you got to look there. Defensive back, I think more so corner. I think I think safeties were good. You got Brennan Royal, the JUCO guy that transferred that that red shirt. A lot of our safeties will be back next year with the mix of Kevin uh, Devin Cockrell. JUCO cornerback has to be another JUCO area that you want to look at. And then you look on the offensive side. I think the biggest thing that you're going to look here is tight end and center. You know, Luke Terman. That's going to be an interesting guy. As you pull up the, the recruiting thing, because he's a tweener. He played a lot of H-back um, for uh, Rockwall this year. And not only that, but he's a pretty damn good-sized defensive end that I think can be productive as well. He, I want to say at the top of my head, the last time I checked his stats, he had like six or seven sacks. So he's another tweener. But you're going to need an extra Juco offensive lineman, which they really hard off of this kid, Tanner Stallings, that's really, really good, really sound technical physical guy that they offered. So I think they're in tight end. You're going to need somebody. I, I was really impressed with Cole Ford, the freshman that we've had here on the podcast before, really come into his own as a pass catcher, has to hit the weight room a little bit and get those legs a little thicker. But I think that's where, you, where you're going to see the most because receiver, we're loaded coming back. Running back, you can use some help there as well. But I think offensively, you're looking at that middle interior offensive lineman and for sure tight end. And I think I know the answer to this one, but do you start looking in other areas for quarterbacks? 
You know, I think Kavika Johnson is is your guy next year. And I think maybe you look at for depth. But I think Kavika Johnson over these last two games proved that he could possibly be that guy. I, I And what's I think crazy, it's time. What's crazy is, you know, we were sitting here six months ago talking about Kavika Johnson being the starter possibly week one yeah. or two or three. At some point, we really felt like he was going to be the guy. And for and some he needed reason, to they be continued to, to go away from him. And, I mean, they gave him reps, but they just didn't really want to put him in the starting role. Even until the last week of the season, he split reps, you know. It just – is he the guy? It, was it just that he was young? Or what do you – I mean, how do you see that? Because for for what I can see, for all intents and purposes, they're looking at, at, at uh, Ryan – I mean, uh, Mac Leftwich. Again, yeah. I mean, if he comes back healthy, which assuming he will – He's going to be the guy. Are they going to bench him, you know, two-year starter now or whatever it's been, a year and however many games? I mean, are you going to you going to bench him now? I mean, I think Kavika is just the best option. I, I really just think that Kavika Johnson is the best option. Now, now that's an asterisk because, okay, well, what direction is Cougar wanting to go in? And that'll, it, that'll it, be determined a lot by your coordinator, yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. It, if you want to go to that Oregon style, which – seems to fit UTEP because Aaron Jones does a hell of a job yeah. running out of that. You know, even a guy like T.K. Powell, who yeah. I think needs to see some more carries Warren next Reddick, year. Man. Warren Reddick, these type of speed guys. Man, what about Warren? That kid had a ball game yeah. against North Texas, man. That that That's something special. That, that gets me excited for next year. Not only next year, but that gets me excited for spring ball, you know, to see these guys. I, I don't I don't need to see Aaron Jones. Don't let, Let's wrap him in bubble wrap. You know, <laughs> I don't need to see Tyler Batson. Wrap him in bubble wrap. The image Ray of Little Tech. Giants comes to mind yeah. where, where their mom sends even him Reddick, out Even Warren Reddick, wrap him up in bubble wrap. Don't put a red jersey on him. But, I mean, I really had watching Kavika Johnson. He didn't have the, the best numbers, but he just looked like a guy that can get the job done with a, with a full spring, with a new offensive coordinator. There's going to be some life into those offensive guys. There's a reason why. You know, there, there's a reason why Sloan Spiller quit. There's a reason why Donovan Walker, one of the better pass catchers, I'm not going to say better receivers because all I saw him do was catch the ball well, maybe not a great route runner, but those type of guys that just didn't see eye to eye. What with about the guys time. that we haven't even, like, didn't see really anything of, but our Juco wide receiver transfers that really didn't play a lot. Jerry, Jerry I'm not as high on Elliott Oldham. I know a lot of people, I saw Elliott struggle a lot yeah. this year. No, you know, if the kid keeps working hard, granted, but I, I'm i not sold on him just yet. You know, but Terry Junell, hell yeah. I mean, that kid, man, that's that's going to be big. If he can come back healthy and provide that impact, you know, and, but the whole thing is where are we going from a scheme-wise? I mean, and, that, and it that's, does, you know, it, when you start looking at the pieces, it seems like that Oregon-style spread read option type of, It seems like they just fit. You have the line. And you look at Kavika Johnson and that – is the type of quarterback that would play that style of offense, you know? And, and you've got the running backs, you've got the receivers. It just what, – what if Kugler in that second half when – you know, because he started Mets. Mets. Mets struggled at times, but they, they didn't open the offense for him. So you can't just say that Ryan Mets played bad. He sure. didn't. He just didn't yeah. get an opportunity. They threw it one – one time they threw it deep, and UTEP was inside their own 15-yard line. That was the only vertical pass they attempted. And I'm and, – and this could even – we can even say that – a two-quarterback system couldn't even work with these two. I really think that it could. You, we got to see it, obviously, develop more. But I think what we saw from both of them, I mean, I, I think that could be a perfect match where you got Ryan Metz, who is an athlete and more of a pocket passer, and you have Kavika Johnson, who is an athlete that can really throw the football if you allow him to. And, he, and they're both going to have a spring to get ready and, and, and compete. 
you know, does Mac Leftwich come back healthy and, and is, you know, I hate to say this, but is he handed back that job again? I hope that doesn't happen because I really think Johnson has played himself even past Ryan Metz. And I'm a big, I'm the biggest, I'm the, I'm the leader of the Ryan Metz fan club. Yeah. God damn it. You know, so it's for me to come out and really feel that, I just feel that Kavika Johnson is that best option going forward. But I, this may sound even crazy too, like I just mentioned, but I think a two quarterback system, Ryan Metz and Kavika, going with the hot hand, you big, know. I'm but, not a big fan of the two quarterback system just because you, I'm not you, either, you, you don't allow guys to get into a rhythm. And, and it's so hard to find good balance or a good split that allows them to get into that rhythm. Because I've seen teams where they run one quarterback in one play to the next, and I've seen others that go one, you know, series and one series. And it just, I like it, the way Kugler mixed it up when he did it, though. That's why I'm saying because I know I agree it, it with you. It all depends on the style of you. offense that you're going to run, you know, because if you, go, if you go to that spread, I definitely think Kavika Johnson needs to be the guy. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna sit back and rely more on on Aaron Jones like you did something similar to what we've seen since he's been here, I think Ryan Metz is more of that field general type player. You know, that can still make a few throws for you here and there and not make mistakes. You know, uh, not that Kavika Johnson would, but I just think it depends on the system that you're gonna be running to decide what quarterback fits best. But I don't really like the two quarterback system because I think it hampers guys. I think it doesn't allow them to get into that flow of the game, into that rhythm. And, and, and you know, that's what you really want. You want to let these guys get out there and play and just get into a rhythm. And, and that's when they'll excel and play best. So, you know what, though, no matter what, there's a lot of pieces to this team. There's a lot of pieces coming back, good pieces. Talking about Aaron Jones, you know, just to start, just the fact that you've got him coming back automatically puts you ahead of the game. There's so much that to look forward to with this team. A lot will be decided in the offseason as far as coaching changes that we see. Of course, there's rumors that even more coaches are going to be gone, you know, than, than we have, have seen already. We don't want to get into that too much because we don't, we don't want to speculate. Just but, hearsay. But that's just hearsay at this point, you know. But, you know, there's, there's, a lot of going, there's a lot of stuff going on, but there's a lot to look forward to next year, and it's exciting. I've been down as any as down as uh, as anybody on Sean Kugler, and I still think he's got a lot to prove. But he really is like you used the word impressed. He impressed me with this because it takes a lot to go out and just fire your boys like that a day after your boys. You didn't say you didn't say coaches. You said boys to go out and fire your boys a day after your season ends. And obviously they haven't they haven't come out publicly to say that. But you know, assuming that's all true, it takes a lot to to go out and do that, man. So. I got to give props to Sean Kugler. It shows that he's trying to get this thing headed in the right direction. And even though I'm still waiting for him to kind of do that, there's a lot to look forward to with this program. I'm hoping that they get all the support that they deserve. And I just, you know, even though basketball season's here, and this is, for me, this is like Christmas all the oh, time. Yeah, oh, but, you know, I look forward to next season too, man, because it, it, there should be some good things going on with this program. Especially recruiting coming up. That's going to be real interesting to see how they shape up this class. Because, I mean, they, they there's some needs that they can, they can fill in and, you know, we'll try to keep an eye on everything. It's going to be a busy December and January for the wrapping up the class of 2016. But Tuesday, basketball baby. power rankings will be coming out tomorrow, very shortly tomorrow. tomorrow. But let's take a rundown the final Conference USA football power rankings for the 2015 season. Um, number one, West Kentucky Hilltoppers, 10-2, and 8-0, coming off a huge win over Marshall that just made me, you know, Not look dumb. <laughs> I was choosing Marshall for like six weeks. Yeah. 
I don't know what happened to that Marshall team, man, but down the stretch, they kind of just shit the bed. And, and um, West Kentucky just rolling. West Kentucky just like, be just better. Like they may just be better than we thought they were. Yeah. We knew they were good, but they may, they, be, they may be much better than that. Um, Southern Miss, which comes in at number two, a game that we really thought they would win, but did not see it coming like this. 58 again. Three weeks in a row now that they scored, what, 57 more? more? Yeah. Um, you know, that game was over, like, Early, that, early. They, they scored those because last time I checked the score was like 38 to 7. Yeah, they just like ran away with that one. They're coming in 9 and 3, 7 and 1, the hottest team in Conference USA. And that's that's tough to say considering Washington started yeah, coming up. But, no, they, but that is the hottest team in this Ooh, right Get now. your popcorn ready that or, or be, your coffee ready that on that Saturday morning. a very morning. good game. And the winner that I, I you know, in this league, uh, you get to choose where you want to go as the conference champion. There's no more uh, bowl tie in for the champion. It's basically whatever you want it to go to. So. Normally, they choose like I think it's the heart of Dallas, right? Is yeah. that the one that's we'll, got the, we'll, the Big Ten yeah, time? Yeah, yeah. That's got the Big Ten time. Yeah. You got to so, send that. You got to go up against the best possible opponent. Yeah. So you know, whichever team comes out of that game, I think has a very good opportunity to show some good things against a Big Ten team. That's a good take. I, I think agree. either one of those. Western Kentucky had an opportunity against Illinois, who's a middle of the pack to lower tier. A uh, Big Ten team, but Southern Miss had a chance against Nebraska too. And so and, you know that, and Nebraska is a little better than than Illinois. But either way, I think either one of those teams, it should be a great championship game. But either one of those teams could go out there and light somebody up. Maybe, maybe not four or five, maybe what six, seven weeks ago when they played Illinois. But now yeah. with the rolling, oh yeah, so oh yeah, definitely light somebody up. Marshall comes Wave in, red nine, nine and three, six and two on the season. Um, of course, they're going to be headed to a bowl game. Louisiana Tech, number four, eight and four, six and two, also headed to a bowl game. Middle Tennessee, number five, the dark horse all season long for Alex. You know, not, not two exactly the season that we expected of them, but seven and five, six and two, very respectable. They'll they played itself out of conference schedule. And they rolled UTSA to end the season 42 to seven. <laughs> now, here's where things get a little muddy, okay? Old Dominion, number six. And you can put these teams in order that you want. Old Dominion, number six. UTEP, number seven. FIU, number eight. Uh, FAU, number nine. And Rice, 10. So I'll, I'll stop it there. Those, those five teams, how did you have them? I had I went homerish. I went UTEP Me six. I went UTEP six. I went Old Dominion seven. I went FAU eight. I dropped FIU down because they've gotten rolled yeah. the last three weeks. They've got. It, I mean, it, there's a difference where you can say, oh well, they kicked UTEP fast. Well, UTEP's been playing better football as yeah. of late. And, and when I can't decide, when I have a jumble of teams like that on my personal rankings, I go who's hot. You no, know, I, mean, I, I go body of work. Power rankings, hot. period. Power rankings, period, are not body of work as much as they are. What have you done for me lately? Exactly. You then, know, now granted, a team that's one and seven because they win one game, you're not going to just throw them into the top tier. But you know, if you're if you won games two months ago and now you're getting rolled, well, you're not going to be up. And UTEP defense is the main reason why I put them six because out of those teams, UTEP defense is playing the best out of even going down to thirteen. You know, or yeah. for 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 conversation's yeah. sake. I mean, UTEP's defense really proved that they are the sixth best defense in the nation, or in the nation, in the conference. Maybe not four or five weeks ago, but in the past three games, I mean, that, that they really deserve that spot. Minus they probably allowed what an average injuries. of like eighteen points over the last five games. Yep. eighteen to twenty. Yep. They've held pretty much everybody under twenty, man. So I mean, that's that's where I went that way. You go down to eleven to twelve. I mean, really doesn't really matter. But I agree, and I and I'm pretty sure I had the exact same order. Yeah, I, I, think I, had, I, had, yeah. I think I had Utah. Well, I had North North Texas. 13. I mean, even though Charlie didn't win a game, but... Yeah, I had North Texas 13 also. I had UTSA... I think I had UTSA 11. But, you know, that's an accomplishment for both programs. 6 through 10 can really be arranged in any way, and then 11 through 13 can really be arranged in any way. UTSA, 
picked up a couple wins there down the stretch to kind of make that look somewhat Shine that turn respectable. Up a little bit. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a very good way of putting it. But uh, but yeah, you know, in the final rankings, Old Dominion six, UTEP seven, FIU eight, and look at those three, man. When you talk about points, eighty nine, eighty seven, eighty six. I was very very close between those. My three my, my vote pushed. My my because when I when I checked it before I voted, that my last vote put well, FIU was six, Old Dominion was seven, UTEP was eight. My vote basically flip flop Old Dominion and UTEP or FIU and UTEP. So, FIU so Alex. comes in number eight, <laughs> FAU number nine, uh, Rice number ten, UTSA eleven, North Texas twelve, and Charlotte rounds out. Actually, both of those teams. That's a 12. program accompaniment for both. <laughs> <laughs> one and seven in and two and ten down there at the bottom of combined free UAB, free UAB. So what's the story with UAB, man? They are, so they got the best recruiting they class. Like, like, their program back, what is it, next year? 2017, 2017. Two years. That, was, that was such a debacle. Debacle, man. <laughs> nice. uh, yeah, I don't want to get all crazy right now, but damn, man. Uh, I guess Conference USA will be back to 14 teams, but looking ahead, man, um, I think big week. I basketball. think not just basketball, but I'm talking football. I think next year could be a decent year for Conference USA, and I don't know off the top of my head who's coming back and whatnot and all these teams. Southern but Miss is Southern Miss is going to be loaded. They, they could man. be a top 25 team. For Southern season. Miss, you know, Western Kentucky starting to settle in as a as a consistent power, but Marshall's always good. Louisiana Tech, you know, we'll see Rice. I don't expect them to be out for too long. This could be a little better league next year. You know, you talk about teams like UTEP coming in. If, if FIU can kind of get their thing straightened out because they're just so inconsistent. For a while, we thought they were going to have a great defense. Then all of a sudden, they start getting rolled late. But, you know, this could be a, a decent league next year, you know. So, a lot to look forward to. The Miners will have their hands full. Basketball. Uh, a more man, more manageable schedule for the Miners next year. What does it look like? Seven home games. Finally, man. You got Texas on the road, and I think Army, and then Houston Baptist. and little Charlie Maggie. Strong Texas team. Yep. I'm t- hey, I, I was even going to text you when I was over there at the Longhorn game on Thursday. I was like, I know I may be drunk. I know I may be tripping and sipping the home recruit late, but Aaron Jones is going to come in here and shock the world. I, I don't Aaron know why. Aaron Jones can play on any level. I, I don't know why I feel like it. there's going to be something crazy that, that's not supposed to happen in DKR next year. I'm sitting in that stadium thinking, Aaron Jones is just gonna light this motherfucker yeah, up. In that Homer Kool Aid though. And, no, he and, might. And a couple, and a couple of blue movies. He, he <laughs> might. He might though. He he might come in. He honestly, there's like even when we looked at at the Arkansas game and the Texas Tech game early on, you know, they couldn't handle him. Nope. You know, this isn't this isn't just a good running back in Conference USA. This guy can play at any level. He he could literally start for probably. 80 to 90% of the universities out there, which is saying a lot about this kid. But the guy's a talent. I'm hoping he can come back 100%. Shit, I'm coming off my ankle injury, injury also ligaments and whatnot. I'm, I'm, and I'm not an athlete, so I don't get that, you know, grade A service and healthcare and all that stuff, you know, but I'm definitely not even 100%. You know, there's days where I feel it. So if I feel it, him as an athlete, always on it, cutting, you know, you're just hoping that he can be a little better than that. So get well soon, AJ. Get well soon, AJ. Another good episode. Big week of college basketball. UTEP taking on NMSU this weekend. You know, we didn't even talk about the women, man. Ooh, they had a big we weekend. They had an the impressive women. weekend. Big time weekend for them coming off of Thanksgiving. Uh, Mexico tomorrow. That's them. a big They difference. got a big week. Yeah, big game against them. In fact, their schedule toughens up just a little bit. They yeah. got a couple games. It was New Mexico and, and another. Don't they have a power, another power conference team? I can't think of the top of my head. I think they might. I think it might be a roadie. Both teams, though, coming in, Utah men and women's basketball undefeated at this point. Combine 11-0. Combine 11-0. 
big week in college basketball for the minors, ladies, and the men. And uh, look forward to it, man. I ho- I'm hoping we're sitting here a week from today talking about some more good news. Some hypeness. Some hypeness. And Aiden Oster. Well, you know what? Let me, hey. let me just go on record and say I'm not counting the Loyola game as our total record. So if you see me on minor rush, put 5-0 and or, or short as the game, you know why. <laughs> and, and, and actually, that's fair because when it comes – not the RPI. Look, RPI, UTEP's, UTEP's top 10 RPI right now. Not be chest out when you say that. that matters. <laughs> but UTEP's top 10 RPI right now, you know. But either way, when it comes to RPI rankings, they do not count non-Division one wins. Yeah. So technically, by that standard, we are – so uh, congratulations to UTSA and all the other teams that shit the bed against non-division one teams, and that's a mic drop. Hey, let me say, let me say this before we go. NMSU. Well, first of all, Southern Illinois, Colorado State, NMSU, UT Arlington, Washington State. All these games. UC Irvine coming UC, up. These could all be top one hundred wins for the minors. And we're sitting here at the beginning of the year. In fact, they could even be schedule. better than that. Oh. You know, and this isn't the toughest schedule that we've seen, but but it is maybe the type of schedule that we needed. Yeah. Maybe we don't need to host a number five team in the nation or whatever. You know, maybe we don't need to have Playing those six power conference yeah. opponents. But when you can match up against these mid-majors that are, you know, top-tier mid-majors or upper-level mid-majors. And that their conference you know, wins may help exactly. us when our conference you know, is. You look at a team like UT Arlington, are they in the WAC or what are they in? Southland, no? Southland? It might be Southland. Let's see if we can catch Southland. them in Southland. You know, Sunbelt. Is it Sunbelt? I think it's Sunbelt. Whatever it is. They may be going up to win a conference championship. You know what I mean? So you talk about wins like that. Those are big wins when you start talking about NCAA tournament resumes. When you have bubble teams, let's say UTEP and, and UTA are bubble teams or, or whatever you know other team it is, and you start comparing, well, this team beat this conference champion. You know what I'm saying? So these are big, big games for this team. And they can go, they can go one of two ways. They can help build your resume or at the end of the season – they could end up being those games where they go, well, they couldn't even beat UTA at home. So huge games coming up. Big week of college basketball. I can't wait for it tomorrow. NMSU, 7 p.m. at the Pan American Center. I know that Minor Rush will be out there covering it. And uh, hope you all enjoyed this podcast. You all know where to get a hold of us. MinorRush.com, SBNMinorRush at gmail.com, Twitter.com slash, slash SBNMinorRush, Facebook.com slash SBNMinorRush. And uh, – we haven't said your Twitter handle or your uh, your uh, what is it? I, I deleted. It. I had too many uh, too many. Your Instagram? Instances. Yeah. Instagram. What was it's it? Gone. It's gone. Poppy Chulo's nine one five is over. Nine one five to the death, homeboy. <laughs> <laughs> Hope y'all enjoyed it. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 